we, uh, we've been doing a series called Home, and uh, my beautiful wife is doing this with me, and so I'm going to have her come on up, and we're talking about marriage and family in this series, and we are not by any means saying that we have this all figured out. <laughs> we're not saying that we're professionals at this, but every year we do a series on home, family, relationships, children. Normally we do that in February. This year we did it in November because, you know, the coronavirus messed everything up. We had this all planned out, and obviously things changed. So, but it turned out to be pretty timely because how many of you know that the virus that hit our country changed everything? Being quarantined changed everything. And there's this show that Amy and I uh, watched for a while. We, we kind of enjoyed it, but it's called Everybody Loves Raymond, and uh, you know, not all the episodes are great, so I'm not endorsing that show by any means. But some of them are very good. And there's one scene, uh, we're not going to show, but I'm just going to kind of explain it to you, where uh, this guy, was, his brother was single. He was trying to explain marriage to his brother. And he said, well, here's marriage in a nutshell. He said, you go to bed, she's there. You wake up in the morning, she's there. You go to work, she's there. You come home, she's there. <laughs> he said, I, I know that sounds like a bad thing, but it's not when it's the right person. And so we've been talking about marriage, and marriage is that. We are together for life. We talked about that last week. If you weren't here last week, I encourage you to watch the video online or listen to it on our website. Uh, not that we're incredible communicators, but the, the information is vital. Marriage is God's idea, right? Marriage is not just two people living in a home. Marriage is two people becoming one. And you say, well, where is that? It's in Genesis chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you have a YouVersion Bible app, you can look that up under the events tab. It's there. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. And this is when, after God created the world, he created Adam. They said there wasn't a good helper for him, so he made Eve. And it says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into, what's that word? One. Two people become one. And two people becoming one is not just two people living in the same house. It's two people coming together, two lives coming together to become one. It's physically, and some people even believe there's a spiritual bond that happens between a man and a woman uh, when you become married. And it's not the creepy, you know, married forever kind of deal that some other religions say. It's two people becoming one. Now, becoming one is difficult, isn't it? How many of you have been married? If you've been married over six months, you realize marriage is what? It's work. Marriage is hard, right? Marriage is two people, two lives becoming one. And so there are bumps in the road. Last week, we talked about God's plan for marriage. This week, we're going to talk about things that come between marriage. We call them home wreckers. Now, back in the day, a home wrecker was a word used for a woman who destroyed a home. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about things that come in that try to drive that oneness away. So the first thing, things that can wreck a home, is lack of trust. Lack of trust. Trust is difficult to gain, isn't it? Trust is easy to lose, but it's difficult to gain. And it's hard to become one with someone that you don't trust. It's hard to be one flesh with someone that you don't trust. Uh, I did have to turn the volume down on the live stream a little bit because worship was loud, so you may have to turn that back up. There we go. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 to 27, Paul tells the church this. Stop telling lies. 
Some of you need to hang that in your home places, right? Give it to coworkers. Here, read this. <laughs> let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all part of the same body. And don't let sin, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. This is a huge marriage principle. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. So Paul is saying it's really hard to live with someone and be one if you can't what? Trust them. If you live in anger. And guys, check this out. The only reason Jesus gave for divorce, remember we had last week in Malachi where it says God hates divorce. The only reason that Jesus gives for divorce is what? Unfaithfulness. And Matthew 5.32 says, a man who divorces his wife, unless she's been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. And so we have to understand that Jesus wants us to be one. He wants us to be together. He doesn't want us to give that up. But the only reason he said you could is because of lack of trust. So that's one of the reasons that one of the things that we started as soon as we got married is we have the passwords and the access codes and everything to each other's phones. And um, for a while, we didn't even really lock them. But then I learned if you leave your phone laying around teenagers, it's, you know, things can happen. And so, um, so we started sharing, you know, we make sure we know each other's passwords. A lot of times I have to ask Rex my password because I don't even know what my password is. And, um, but that's so that we can check each other's messages and each other's phones. Now, do we probably, we don't do that on a daily basis. We don't, I mean, but we know that each other can see anything. And we also, we don't delete messages. We don't, you know, anything that I have on my phone, my husband should be able to read. I shouldn't have to worry about if he was to pick up my phone. He doesn't have to worry about if I was to pick up uh, his phone. So that's just something that we started right away. It's just, it keeps any question out. It just, it keeps that accountability. So um, the unmet needs from his needs, her needs by Harley. Um, that's a book that we use a lot when we do premarital counseling together. We encourage, we read that when we were doing premarital counseling um, a few years ago. We recommend um, this, anybody read, yeah, it's yeah, a few years ago. A few years ago. Uh, we recommend that book to anyone. If you have not read it and you're married, I encourage you to get it. And, and really, the whole premise of this book is affairs don't happen overnight. Marriages don't fall apart overnight. But he said a lot of times marriages fail or marriages get on rocky ground because there are needs not being met. And so in this book, he did a lot of research and he did five, the five needs men have and the five needs women have. And what's the difference between a want and a need? A need needs to be met. A need will be met, right? Whether it's by your spouse or someone else. So his whole premise in this book is, if I'm not meeting Amy's needs and someone offers to do that, that can drive a wedge in our marriage, right? And so that's what these are. So she's going to talk about the ladies' needs. I'm going to talk about the men's needs. Now, before we get into this really quick, if you're a guy and you say, that's not really my thing, that doesn't mean you're strange, doesn't mean you're weird. It doesn't mean you're wrong or put together differently. It just means that you may not have that. So these are generalizations, but these, are, these came out of surveys that he did. And the men sound really superficial. Ladies, don't judge us for that. Okay. <laughs> so the first thing that women have a hard time living without is affection. Is that right, women? We love affection. A woman wants her, women want their husbands to be affectionate and pay attention to them. So um, that includes cuddling and hugging, holding hands, and this time of the year, even watching a few Hallmark movies. 
So women like that. I added that to the notes, by the way. She did. That was not in my notes. <laughs> So um, that's, you know, our number one thing. We just want to feel loved. We want to feel that affection. And man, that needs, we, means we have to pay attention to our wives. Uh, because if we don't pay attention to them, there is someone else who will. Right? So uh, the first one for men, their highest need that they rated on there is sexual fulfillment. And women, I know you're rolling your eyes right now. Uh, but this is a need for men. Uh, and Paul actually talks about this. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. Paul says, The husband should fill his wife, fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time. So give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again. Listen to this. So Satan will not be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. This is a biblical principle that Paul understood. If you're not meeting this need, there are other people who will. Ladies, men don't go and just hop in the sack with some other woman. They don't go and start going on dates with another woman. It happens because needs aren't being met in the home. So this is, this is big. And, and really quickly, let me just throw this out. I've talked with people whose spouses use this to control them. If you don't do what I want, I'm not going to do that for you. That's not just unwise. That's unbiblical. <laughs> that goes against what God teaches for marriage. So that's the first. The second one, this is going to be a big surprise, guys. Are you ready for this? The second one is conversation. Okay? Women need their husband to have conversation with them. They're, that's more than a one-word answer. Okay, yep, nope. That doesn't count. Women typically use 20,000 words a day, and men typically use 7,000 words a day. Wow, right? This is researched. This is researched, okay? Some of that can depend on your job and what you do, but you think about if you are a if you have a female, I mean, if you are a female and you have a job that you don't use a lot of words in, sorry, husbands, you're going to get it when you get home. So uh, the women may have a whole lot of words saved up for the evening while the man may have already used all of his throughout the day. So you just have to bear with us and just remember conversation is important. And conversation is not just a want for ladies. It's a need. You're going to get tired of me saying that. It's a need. And so, men, that means we have to engage our wives. And so the second thing men need, the second thing men rated second highest on this is recreational companionship. What on earth does that mean? It means, women, we want you to play with us. We want you to go out and ride motorcycles with us. We want you to go out and play golf with us. We want you to go out and go to the driving range, fishing, hunting. That does not mean put on antlers and run in front of us. That means sit with us and do that, right? They want to do things with their husband. Now, here's the thing I hear guys say. When we were dating, my wife would go do that stuff with me. And we got married, she quit. <laughs> Some of you say, yeah. Don't do that. Don't point. Don't do that. So men want to hang out with their wives. They want their wives to be their friend. They really do want you around. And so that might mean, you know, like she said, Hallmark movies for the ladies. That might mean... You go watch the new Star Wars movie with your husband or the new Marvel. And some of you like that. That's cool. Do things with your spouse. Um, so, and that's a, 
That's just a, you need to know that. <laughs> I'm just going to stop before I shoot myself in the foot. Find hobbies you can share. Okay, the third need of women is honesty and openness. So she needs to be able to trust her husband and that he's open with her, he's being honest with her, and that he's always looking out for her best interest. Uh, this means that men need to talk to their wives even if it's something that's wrong or bothering them. And I think for guys that's really hard sometimes because you want to protect your wife and so you just don't talk to her. And then our first thing is, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, you know? And sometimes we have figured out, sometimes I'm like, what's wrong? He's like, nothing. I'm like, what are you thinking? Nothing. And so we had to have this conversation that sometimes when guys are quiet and they're not talking, they really have nothing to talk about. They're not upset. But we have to be able to trust that and have an open relationship to know when something is wrong, he will tell me, so that then when I say is something wrong and he says, no, I'm fine, I'm just, I'm fine, then I can, I can trust that that's the truth. So I think that that's just, we want men to be open with us. We want them to be honest with what's going on. You, uh, men want us to be honest because they want to fix it. We just want to know what's going on. Women don't like surprises when it comes to things like that, right? Gift surprises are okay, but we don't like surprises otherwise. And I know some of you are single, uh, and you're thinking, this has nothing to do with me. Like we said last week, if you plan to get married someday, learn this stuff now. If you don't plan to get married, learn this stuff so you can be that friend that listens to your other friends who are married, who need that advice. Uh, and, and really, sometimes when men, you know, ladies say, what are you thinking about? And you say nothing, men can literally think about nothing. We have this switch that just... And we just, it's amazing. Uh, women wish they had that. And so, and sometimes she'll say, what do you think about it? I'm thinking, you know, that truck would look a lot bigger, a lot better if they did this and this and this. And she's like, you're really thinking about that? Yeah. So uh, the third need of men, and I know this is superficial, but it's not, is an attractive spouse. Ladies, this does not mean you have to be a supermodel. This does not mean you have to spend hours in the bathroom, but it just means your husband wants you to put in the effort to try. Why is that? It's just a respect thing. It just feels like if you're doing that, you're respecting your husband. You know, I, I know there's some things you just can't do anything about, but, you know, we had a friend in college that uh, dated this girl, and I'm not trying to be mean, but it was one of those, how did you get her? I mean, she was, wow, and he was average, you know, and we all thought, how on earth did you do that? He's like, I don't know, uh, but I'm happy about it. Well, Amy and I went back to Springfield one time and they came walking in a restaurant and she had totally let herself go I mean she's wearing sweatpants and this is not the cool sweatpants we have now I mean it was the you know the matching set with the cuffs and all that and he walked by and I said hey guys how's it going he went uh, you know and it, it was just he felt horrible because she he felt like she was not trying she was not respecting him so guys or ladies this does not mean your husband you know doesn't mean that we want you to be a supermodel. It doesn't mean we're going to leave you if you get bigger or anything like that. That's not it. They just want you to try. Guys just want their spouse to put in effort because they love them. So, Okay, the fourth need of a woman is financial support. She wants her husband, um, she wants to know that her husband's going to work to support her and her kids. This doesn't mean that she needs a gold digger. It doesn't mean that we need everything that you know, that we want, 
everything. It just simply means we need to know that our husband is working their hardest and their best to financially support our family. And there are times that we understand, we know I have family that, you know, she goes out and she works and works a really good job and he stays home and helps take care of kids. And it's different in different families. So we're not judging that, but just women just need to know that you're going to try. You're going to do your best to financially support your family. And it's not always going to be easy, but just knowing that you're trying. Dave Ramsey says that women have a security gland that freaks out in times of financial uncertainty. So I thought that's kind of funny. Something the guys don't have. Something that, yeah. So they just need to know that we're trying. The fourth need of men is domestic support. Uh, This doesn't mean splitting jobs or anything like that at home. It just means the guy wants to know the lady is, is trying. The lady is doing what she can to make the home a peaceful place. Because, you know, guys, when we get home from work, a lot of times men need about 20 minutes to kind of decompress, right? You know, they always used to tell us in, when we were doing our premarital counseling, he says, when your husband gets home, don't come with 20 problems right as he gets home. Give him a few minutes to decompress because men need a little bit of peace. Especially, you know, we said that 7,000 word things. If your husband works in a job where he has to talk a lot, but at the end of the day, he is wiped out. Like just, I mean, there are days I come home and I'm like, I just can't talk anymore. I've been in meetings for three hours a day. I can't talk anymore. Uh, So they just want to know that you're there. You're trying. Um, It's not a his job, her job thing. It just means that men want peace in their house and they want to know that the ladies are trying to do that. Like the ladies want the guy to support them, to work to support them. The guys want the ladies to work to support them as well in the home. And that's important to just figure out what works for both of you. I was joking with Adrienne yesterday. I was out there and we were working at the camp and I told her, I said, oh, this is the first time I have vacuumed in like months because that's just, Rex enjoys doing it. And so some of those things will like cross over and um, we kind of joke and laugh about that. But So the fifth uh, need of a woman is commitment. So she wants to know that he's committed to being a good husband and a good father. That no matter what happens, at the end of the day, he is fully committed to her and her children. It's easy for men to check out when they get home from work, but we as women need them to be involved in our home as much as they're involved in their workplace. So it does. Sometimes they do need that few minutes to just, you know, sit in their chair, just kind of reevaluate. okay, now I'm home and this is my next thing that I need to do. And so they need that, but... And we need to understand that, but we also want you at some point to go, okay, but now I'm home and this, Mm -hmm. I need to get involved with my kids. We just need men to be present in our life. There's a book that we went through as a small group. It's actually on Write Down Media if you want to do it. It's called For Couples Only. Uh, For Men Only, there's a book for men only, a book for women only. And they said ladies have these windows that pop up in their brain all the time. You know, that open like a computer. If you get a virus, you know, these little windows pop up. Men have these compartments. You know, when I'm mowing the yard, I'm thinking about mowing the yard, right? When I'm riding a motorcycle, it's one of the things that's so freeing for me. I don't have to think about anything. You know, I just, you know, I can do that. I can, yeah, think about safety. Safety. But, you know, I can just think about, oh, this sounds nice. Ooh, the grass smells good. You know, that kind of thing. Um, and so, But one of the things they said in that video, and I was shocked, they said if a man and a woman have a fight, the woman needs to know that the guy is committed still. 
And they said the women will actually have this thought going through it. He's going to leave you because of this fight. And I thought, really? I even asked that. Do you really think that? She said, yeah, sometimes it comes in your head. I know you're not, but that worry is still there. They need us to say, I still love you. It's fine. You know, I know we fought over the car, but it's going to be fine. I still love you. I'm still coming home. They need that security. And for men, the, the last thing we're talking about is admiration. And this is not, oh, you're so handsome or anything like that. It's they need you to know their wife admires them. Their wife respects them. This is a big deal for me. This is why Paul, when he's talking about men loving their wives like Christ loved the church, he said, women, respect your husbands. That's a big deal. The man needs his wife to speak respectfully to him. And it's not saying, oh, you're the king of the house, blah, blah, blah. It's, I love you. I respect you. Um, when, you know, one thing that's great, men don't need two moms. Men have a mom. They don't need their wife to be a mom. They need their wife to be their friend, their spouse, their companion. You don't have to, you know, pick up your socks. Sometimes you're going to have to say that, but you don't have to do that all the time. Uh, and so men need a woman that, that loves him and speaks well to him. Uh, you know, if they're talking to their friends, they say, yeah, my husband's a great guy. I love him. You know, they need that respect. And, and so, you know, the book, I would say, grab it. It's also on Right Now Media. This, this series, this His Needs, Her Needs, is actually on there. You guys all have access to that. If you don't, it's on our website under resources. You can sign up for that. This is something you can watch with your spouse together. It's a great thing to, to do. So, uh, and typically, guys, when, when marriages fall apart, it's not one huge decision all at once. It's a series of small decisions that lead to the breakup of a marriage. It's not just one nuclear bomb that goes off. It's little things over time. So catch these now and, and talk about this. Take this list home this week and talk to your spouse about this. Where am I not meeting your needs? Where can I do better on this? This is a great way to do this. One more thing I was going to throw in with that is that we've talked about, and this goes for even unmarried. If you're friends and you're sitting around and you're talking to a friend and they are complaining about one of these needs not being met, don't jump on the bandwagon with them and go, oh, yeah, your husband just needs to do that more. Encourage them to talk to their spouse and encourage them to, you know, what need can you maybe help fill that will help them fill your needs? Because we always say it's really hard to, we can forgive our spouse easier than our friends can forgive our spouse. You know, and so that's why we always, you know, you don't go, if you are in need in your marriage to talk to somebody Find friends you can talk to and trust, but don't just go, what do you, what's your word? Verbal, verbally puke all over your friends and just tell them about the, thing, the needs that aren't being met. It's very important to talk to your spouse about those needs. So we talked about things that break up a home. One is lack of trust. One is unmet needs. And the third one is pornography. I know you're like, you're really saying that in church? Yes, <laughs> we need to talk about this in church. Guys, I was, I was doing some research this week, and, and the newest numbers I could find were uh, 2004. Uh, but Dr. Jill Manning, she's a psychiatrist, she went before Congress and testified about this. She said that 56% of divorce cases are one spouse having an unhealthy obsession with the Internet, and usually pornography is that. Another one said that over half of divorce cases that came into their office were about pornography. Think about this, guys. There's over a million divorces in the U.S. every single year. If half of those were because of pornography, that's 500,000 families that are broken up because of porn every year. Uh, and even, and you know, a lot of people are like, well, you know, it can't be all that. Okay, let's say 25% of them 
That's still 250,000 marriages, 250,000 kids that are estranged from their parent, 250,000 families that are broken up because of pornography. And it used to be you had to go and work to get pornography, right? You had to work at it. Now it is literally everywhere. Everybody carries one of these in their pocket. You can get porn on this in minutes. Even if you don't want it, it pops up in minutes. It can. So, guys, think about this. Amy's going to read some stats here, but, um, yeah, I'll let her do that real quick. PsychCentral.com states that 25% of search engine requests are related to sex. 35% of downloads from the Internet are pornographic. 40 million Americans say that they regularly visit porn sites. 70% of men ages 18 to 24 visit a porn site at least once per month. The largest consumer of online porn is men between the ages of 35 and 49. And one-third of all internet porn users are women. Think about that for a minute. Yeah, one-third of porn users are women. Think about that. It used to be this is a guy problem. This has become an everyone problem. And like she said, 70% of men, and this is a, a psychiatrist saying this, 70% of men, 18 to 24, visit porn sites at least once a month. That's high school and college age. That's hit people who are trying to get married are having this. The biggest group is men 35 to 49. Who are those? Dads. Husbands are doing this. So, and guys, this is, this is a problem. This is a a psychological problem that we have. This is a chemical deal. So we need to get help with these things. And people say, well, what's wrong with a little bit of porn? <laughs> I've heard, well, man, I've heard pastors say that. Well, what's wrong with that? The Bible says that we're not to do that. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 27, if a man looks at a woman with lust, he's already what? Committed adultery with her in his heart. He says, don't even do that. Uh, Colossians 3 talks about putting to death the things that lurk within us. And one of those is sexual immorality, impurity, lust. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 says God's will is for you to be holy, so stay away from that stuff. Uh, And so here's the thing, guys. Porn is addictive. Listen to this in Proverbs 27. This is Solomon writing to his son. Just as death and destruction are never satisfied, so human desire is never satisfied. What does that mean? It's addictive. Pornography is addictive. And it's progressive. It builds. It starts with that little stuff, guys, and it builds. You say, how do you know that? I worked in a prison for a year and a half. I can tell you numbers and numbers of men I talked to who said, I'm here because I started with pornography. I didn't go rape a teenage girl because I wanted to. I did it because I started there, and it led to this. It's this thing called the law of diminishing returns. And you say, well, what is that? Remember when you started drinking caffeine, and you drank one Mountain Dew, and you're like, woo right and then what happens it takes more caffeine i had to wake some of you up sorry it takes more caffeine and more caffeine and more caffeine to get that same buzz right and it happens with drugs this happens with pornography and guys this is a chemical reaction that happens in men's and women's brains when you watch this stuff so it's it's dangerous and i'm not trying to throw this hopeless stuff out it you can be fixed to this you can be healed to this but we have to understand that it's it's addictive it's progressive it's destructive Guys, porn destroys marriages. We've read you the statistics. They said over half. Even if we bring it down and say over a fourth of marriages, that's still way too many marriages falling apart because of this. So how, 
New York Magazine wrote this. A woman used to have to worry about the pretty blonde luring her husband away. Now she has to worry about thousands of them luring her husbands away. Guys, we need to be very diligent about not allowing this in our home. And if you have this problem, talk to somebody about it. And there's a lot of great tools that can help you with this. So let's talk about what do we do? How do we get rid of these things that come in? How do we get rid of this lack of trust, these unmet needs, uh, pornography? How do we get these things out of our marriages? Well, the first one is we have to curb destructive behaviors. Curb destructive behaviors. Get rid of these things that come into our lives. What do you mean? Well, if you're addicted to porn, find help. Talk to me. I've got resources that can help you with these things. Um, There are accountability things we can do. We have this thing we call the veto rule. If there's a lady in my life that Amy has a bad feeling about, she says, I don't trust them, I listen to that. I may say, I'm fat and old. Why would anybody want that? I listen to her because she has this instinct. Women has this gland that see these things coming, right? Men don't. We're like, oh, okay. You know, we have to. So I listen to that. If there's a guy that I say, honey, be careful around this guy, she listens to that. If there's a, a show that I'm watching and she says, you know, I just don't feel good about that, I turn it off. Even if I haven't seen anything, I listen to her. She has that. She has the same thing with me. We talked about the password rule. She has my Facebook account. She can get in there anytime she wants and look at messages. She can look at what's on there. I have that with her. So we have to get rid of these, these destructive behaviors. Have accountability. Guys, have someone in your life. Ladies, have someone in your life that you're accountable to that is not your spouse. You need someone in your life that's allowed to ask you hard questions. You know, these things, we've seen it happen. We've seen marriages fall apart, and we've seen it coming. We've told them, hey, you need to be careful. I see destruction coming your way. And if they don't listen, guess what happens? They need people in their lives. We need people in our lives. There are programs. There's programs called X3 Watch you can get on your phone. There's one called Covenant Eyes you can get on your phone or your computer. If you have kids, there's one called Custodio with a Q, Custodio. You can actually watch what they have on their phone. You can limit. You can put filters on those things. Have that. Parents, it's your job to help your kids not get into this stuff. They don't need another friend. They need a parent. They need someone who will step in and like, oh, you got locks on my phone. Yep, because <laughs> I love you, right? Uh, so filters. Have barriers. Job 31.1, Job says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a woman. I put this barrier in. Have barriers with that. Don't be alone with the opposite sex. I know you're thinking, man, you're getting a little crazy about that. No, be careful. Don't ever give your spouse a reason to mistrust you. Always want the benefit of the doubt because you have these things in the way. And then run away. James 4 says, flee from temptations. If there is a woman, guys, if there's a woman at work who makes you uncomfortable, keep distance. Ladies, if there's a man who you feel is creeping on you, keep some distance. Put some distance up. Talk about your husband. My husband's been in prison. He he doesn't mind going back, right? I'm kidding. Don't say that. Uh, But just have some distance. And here's the big thing, guys. Fix problems before they get big. Ephesians 4, 26, we read earlier. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Because anger gives a what? A foothold to the devil. If you go to bed angry, what happens? You think about it, don't you? And you get madder and madder and madder all night long. Get that fixed. Song of Songs 
Song of Solomon in some versions. Chapter 2, verse 16. talks about little foxes that ruin the vineyards. What does that mean? These little problems that we're talking about are the ones that creep up and get bigger and bigger and destroy marriages. It's not always that blonde lady or that you know, big guy at the gym. It's not always that. It's usually these little problems that creep up and eventually they become big problems. Okay, so the last one is put effort into your marriage. So some ideas from Song of Solomon is get We're not going to get graphic. Don't worry. True. Get creative. Song of Solomon 1, 16 and 17 says, The soft grass was their bed. Go on a date. Song of Solomon 2.10, come with me. That kind of sounds creepy. Okay, <laughs> go, go to the countryside. Se- um, Song of Solomon 7.11, um, go to a bed and breakfast. That's not what it says. That's what the Hebrew translates into. Oh, I was like, what are we talking about? Um, compliment your spouse. Song of Solomon 4.1 to 5.1 talks about having a list of compliments to try out. Our spouses, whether male or female, we, we all like compliments. We all like to know that our spouse is on our side. So be the first one to compliment your spouse every day. I've told you before, we had a professor at CBC that did counseling. His name is Dr. Burl Best, uh, one of the great, my great heroes. But there were several of us guys that were engaged. And so he would always say, hey, have you complimented your, your future spouse today? And we'd say, uh, I haven't seen her yet. And he's like, well, you better get on it. Or somebody else will. And so he would make an admission. If I hadn't caught Amy before class, he would go up and say, Amy, you look very nice today. And he wasn't being a creepy old man. He was just doing it to say, hey, you look really nice. And he was, he was catching the hall. I got her for you did. You need to get on it. And just, you know, it was just that verbal thing. And so every day we need to make sure we are complimenting our spouse. It doesn't have to be a hollow thing. Hey, you look nice today. Hey, thanks for vacuuming thanks for fixing the the car thanks for whatever next week we're going to talk about ways that we can talk to our spouse and and meet their love languages ways that we can pour into them that is meaningful but make sure you find those things find ways to compliment your spouse to let them know that you're on their side does that make sense so i know this is a lot of information that's why we give you those handouts if you need take one of those with you uh if you have questions about these things but catch us but we're going to ask the worship team to come up but here's the thing guys we want healthy marriages in our church god wants healthy marriages right we want you to have healthy relationships with your spouse because that's the building block that's where all this comes in so if you're physically able i'm going to ask you to stand today don't you appreciate amy being willing to come up and do this that's awesome i really appreciate her This is not in her comfort zone at all. (laughs) She's stretching to do this. Father, I just come today and and I ask all across this room that you would speak to us today. Lord, for those who are here today and they're married, and maybe their marriage is incredible, I pray you challenge them to find ways to make it better. Lord, if there are any here today and their marriage is struggling, Lord, challenge them. Encourage them that they can get through this. It can get better. Father, for those who are, who are single and say, I, uh, this does not apply at all, Lord, help them to learn this so that down the road they can be in a healthy relationship. Father, help us to be that person our friends can come to when they're having marriage problems, and we can give them advice from your word. We can share things from your word that apply to these things. So all across this room, with every head bowed and eyes closed, I just, 
I want to ask you today, if you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor Rick, so I don't have a relationship with Christ. You're talking about this God that loves me and this God that wants me to have a good marriage, but I don't have that relationship that you're talking about. But I want to do that. I want to pray with you today. We're going to say a prayer. All of you at home watching, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with us as we pray this together in this room. And this is just you talking to the Lord, saying, I want to have this relationship. I want to know this Jesus that you're talking about that came to this earth and died for me so that I could have forgiveness, so I could have life. So I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for your love for me. I know I'm not perfect. I've made mistakes, and I'm sorry for that. Please forgive me for those. Come into my life and make me new. Help me to live for you every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, the Bible says that you are a brand new creature, that you've been forgiven, that God has made you new inside. And so I'm just going to ask this morning, if, if you're here today and you're married, I'm going to ask you to reach over and grab your spouse's hand. If you're not married, I want you to think about that future spouse you're going to have someday. And we're just going to pray. Father, I pray for marriages in this room. Lord, for marriages that are solid and doing great. I pray for marriages that are struggling today. Maybe little things are creeping up and popping up. But Lord, wherever these are, I pray that you would strengthen them today. That you would strengthen marriage. You would help us to keep these things out of our marriage that want to drive a wedge in. And Lord, if there are issues, Lord, help us to talk through those and to get better, to get stronger. Because our marriages are examples to this world of how much you love us. The Bible says that our marriages are pictures of you loving the church. Help us to do that today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.